listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Windy City Slam Podcast. We're here. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome to episode number 186. There's so much to talk about this week, including the passing of two in-ring greats in Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk an action-packed all-in event, highlights from NWA 75, and a huge week ahead in wrestling with AEW, WWE, and local promotions looking to knock it out of the park. Plus, our guest this week, you've seen him in Chicago-style wrestling and POW Entertainment, among other promotions in the Chicagoland area. He'll be a part of Effie's Big Gay Brunch 7 coming Labor Day weekend. We'll chronicle his journey from Florida to Chicago, the dad bod, demigod, Joey Mayberry. You get all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle. But what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheights.com x.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. Hey, this is Trevor Outlaw, but you bozos can address me as you are rudely, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast, and you can check it out every Tuesday. Oh, wait, I've been on this like five times. I should know this by now. Either way, not getting paid enough for this. Windy City Slam podcast. Check it out on Tuesdays, and you never know when Trevor Outlaw is going to be back. Welcome back to Windy City Slam podcast. And it was a really difficult week to be a wrestling fan in terms of two in-ring greats passing away in consecutive days and Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. Now, first, a little bit about Bray Wyatt. He's a former WWE and Universal Champion, the leader of the Wyatt family, creator of The Fiend, and just a creative mind and a very engaging personality. Very colorful. People gravitated to him during meet and greets and stuff like that. And I was actually supposed to meet Bray Wyatt a number of years ago at Wizard World Chicago. I was at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center for most of the day, but I had to leave to go to work and... Bray's flight was delayed several hours. He had several flights canceled. He had to change a few things around. But Wizard World insisted that he was going to show up even if it was after hours. And sure enough, Bray Wyatt showed up after hours, long after I could have seen him. Stayed with every fan, greeted every fan, did the pictures, did the autographs, all that great stuff. And by all accounts, Bray Wyatt was a genuinely cool dude and a good man. And... I was just so sad that I could never meet him. That was the day I was supposed to meet him. Wizard World was nice enough to give me a Paige meet and greet, you know, a photo with her, and refund the difference, meet Paige. It was awesome to meet her. I met her again about a month later with Emma at at Lisa Marie Varen's Squared Circle Restaurant. But just hearing the stories of Bray Wyatt and how he just made every fan feel special that day warms my heart. 
I'm just so sad that he's gone at 36 years old, leaves a, a wife and young kids and a great wrestling legacy in his family from Blackjack Mulligan, his grandfather, uh, Barry Windham, his uncle, Kendall Windham, his uncle, his father, Mike Rotunda, IRS, his brother, Taylor Rotunda, Bo Dallas. Uh, what a family and very sad to see Bray Wyatt no longer with us. And Terry Funk, man, what can you not say about Terry Funk? He's a former NWA World Champion. He competed in WWE, WCW, ECW, and in Japan from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas. Terry Funk was an absolute legend in this business. Great rivalries with Ric Flair, crazy matches with Mick Foley, and just an all-around legend in this business. And rest in peace to Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. All right, this past Sunday, AEW presented All In at Wembley Stadium, 80,000-plus in London. And on Zero Hour, we had the ROH Tag Team Championship. MJF and Adam Cole defeat Aussie Open, Mark Davis and Cal Fletcher to become the new ROH Tag Team Champions after the double clothesline. And for the FTW Championship, Hook regains the title, defeating Jack Perry via a tapout to win the title. And on the main show, to open it up, we had the Real World Championship. CM Punk retains it, pinning Samoa Joe following a Pepsi plunge. And as an aside real quick, there were reports that Jack Perry and CM Punk got into a confrontation in between their matches from the end of the Zero Hour pre-show to the start of All In, and possibly both suspended. And I guess stay tuned. And for whatever reason, I love CM Punk, but... Ever since he's been in AEW, it's been really tenuous relationship with him and various other talents over there. So, don't know what's going on, and uh, we'll have to see. And then back to the show, we had a six-man tag. Kanosuke Takeshita and Bullet Club Gold of Juice Robinson and Jay White defeat the golden elite of Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Adam Page when Takeshita used a schoolboy pin on Omega. AEW World Tag Team Championship... FTR, Dax Hardwood, and Cash Wheeler defeat the Young Bucks after the Shatter Machine. Stadium Stampede match and Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, the Best Friends, and Penta El Zero Miedo defeat the fivesome of the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Casanoli, and Wheeler Yuta, plus Ortiz and Mike Santana when Cassidy pins Castagnoli after hitting the Orange Punch with broken glass taped to his hand. AEW World Women's Championship, Soraya defeats the champion Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, to win the title in front of her home country. And then after the match, the Knight family comes out to celebrate with Soraya. Tag Team Coffin Match, Darby Allen and Sting defeat Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage after Allen hits the coffin drop on Swerve and closes the coffin lid on him. Will Ospreay pins Chris Jericho after the Hidden Blade and the Stormbreaker. AEW Trios Championship in a no-holds-barred match. The Acclaimed and Billy Gunn defeat the House of Black of Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews to win the titles. And in your main event, AEW World Championship MJF pins Adam Cole with a small package to retain and it was a crazy match with a, a double pin occurring a few minutes earlier after they clotheslined each other. So basically, the double clothesline on each other, and then they got the double pin. And after the match was restarted, Roderick Strong gives MJF a low blow after Bryce Remsburg took a ref bump. 
and after a heated exchange following the match, Cole and MJF actually embrace. So, no MJF turn yet. And then we have the NWA 75 this past weekend in St. Louis, two nights of action, and the highlights from that extravaganza. EC3 defeats Tyrus to win the NWA World's Championship. EC3 was a guest on Windy City Slam earlier this year, and he definitely was on the track and had the quest to win that title. And he comes through to unseat Tyrus, and now Tyrus retires from in-ring competition. Chicago sweetheart Missa Kate and her partner Maddie Rankowski of M95 lost the NWA Women's Tag Team Championship to Pretty Empowered of Ella Envy and Kylie Page. Congratulations on a great reign by Missa Kate and Maddie. Kenzie Page knocks off Camille to win the NWA World Women's Championship, ending a two-year-long reign. Amazing stuff by Camille. We'll see where she goes from here. For the NWA United States Tag Team Championships, Daisy Kill and Talos defeat the fixers of Jay Bradley and Wrecking Ball Ligurski to win the titles, and Daisy Kill winning a major championship. This is a big deal for a guy who heavily has a Chicago background at times in this business. He wrestled for CSW. He used to help out at Warrior Wrestling as Nacho Clown. And congratulations to Daisy Kill. And... Oakland's Joe Alonzo defeats Homicide in a no-disqualification match. You want to check out one of Joe Alonzo's reels on social media. He's actually being loaded into an ambulance, and he said his back was hurting because he carries the NWA. (laughs) Doesn't surprise me about Joe Alonzo, but the guy's a hell of a talent. This Saturday, September the 2nd, WWE Payback at the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. Catch it on Peacock slash WWE Network. Matches announced so far for this show, the World Heavyweight Championship between Seth freaking Rollins defending against Shinsuke Nakamura. That should actually be a really darn good match. And in a steel cage, we're going to see Becky Lynch against Trish Stratus. The Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley defends against Raquel Rodriguez. For the WWE United States Championship, Rey Mysterio defends against Austin Theory. And in a highlight match of the night for me, this is going to be a lot of fun, L.A. Knight takes on The Miz. Sunday night, September the 3rd, AEW's All Out is at the United Center in Chicago, 7 p.m. on pay-per-view. And the five matches that have been announced so far are as follows. We have the TNT Championship as Luchasaurus defends against Darby Allin. Miro faces Powerhouse Hobbs. For the TBS Championship, Chris Statlander defends against Ruby Soho of the Outcasts. AEW International Championship, Orange Cassidy or Penta El Zero Miedo defend against John Moxley. And this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite, we're going to see Orange Cassidy take on Penta and the winner will face Moxley. Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita. Alright, a couple of highlights from this past weekend. We'd like to congratulate Mateo Valentine on winning the Honor Among Wrestling Reborn Championship on Saturday night in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And we're going to take a look at Super Wrestlers Strike Back at the Concord Music Hall in Chicago this past Sunday night. And the results, courtesy of the punk rock prince Jordan Cross, a friend of the show. And we have Vlad Bladder, Teen Vampire, last week's Windy City Slam podcast guest, defeating Pubic Moose. 
And then we had Nolan, the fucking wizard, defeat Danger Mask. USA Hole knocks off the Porch Pirate, Rad Blackbeard. The Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, defeats Bitness Puppy. And we have Ryor, the King of Crossternia, defeating Rydell via Countout after Rydell removes his mask to reveal that he's Ryor's long-lost brother. And in the main event, we had Shogun knocking off Destructo to retain the prize. And also, there was a report out there that Billy Wack revealed the return of the Hot Potato Championship from the LWF and Pro Wrestling Blitz. And I think we talked about that when Billy was on the show this past November. You can check that episode out in the Windy City Slam podcast archives. Coming up this week, we have a ton of wrestling to get to. Wednesday night, August the 30th, AEW comes to the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates for Dynamite and Rampage taping. And then Thursday night, August the 31st, AAW presents The Art of War at the Berwyn Eagles Club. And in a no-rope barbed wire match, Robert Ego Anthony takes on Mance Warner. AAW Championship Jake Something defends against the AAW Heritage Champion Davey Vega. And this is the one I'm looking forward to, is the AAW Women's Championship as Masha Slamovich defends against Sierra. I am 100% behind Sierra winning the AAW Women's Championship. Let's go, Sierra, and win that title. AAW Tag Team Championship, we have Russ Jones and Schaff defending against Ren Jones and Xavier Walker. The last real man, Silas Young, takes on Thrill Billy, Silas Mason. And Taylor Rising faces Heather Reckless. Plus, you'll see Big Beef Narls Garvin, the rising Conan Lycan, Solomon Tupu, Levi Everett, Gary J, Hartenbauer, Sean Logan, and John E. Bravo. Also Thursday night, August the 31st, Freelance Wrestling presents Before the Fall at the Emporium Arcade Bar in Logan Square. For the Freelance World Championship, we have Storm Grayson defending against Steph Delander. And then Freelance Legacy Championship, Brian Keith defending against Jordan Oliver. The Freelance Tag Team Championship, the champions of GPA and Laney Luck, defend against Bussy of Effie and Alley Catch, and Davey Bang and August Matthews. And Isaiah Velasquez faces Coda Hernandez, and if Isaiah loses this match, he vows to quit wrestling forever. Oof. And then we have Dan the Dad against Darren Corbin, and Shaza McKenzie faces Coco Lane, and in the traditional freelance wrestling scramble match, Sword of Incredible Iverson against Badger Briggs, against Acid Jazz, against Shane Black, versus Brandon Gore, and Cole Radrick. Friday through Sunday, September the 1st through the 3rd, StarCast 6 is at the Hyatt Regency, Schaumburg, Chicago. Three-day convention, panels, autograph signings, photo ops, all that fun stuff. And Windy City Slam will be there for a portion of that event as well. So I'm very excited to be returning to StarCast. Also Friday night, September the 1st, Circle 6 will be at Reggie's Rock Club in Chicago. That'll be some deathmatch action. And north of the border, Legacy Pro Wrestling presents the Showcase of Champions 8, Night 1 at Buena Vista Banquets in Milwaukee. Friday, September the 1st, we have GCW Say You Will at the Grand Sports Arena in Hoffman Estates. Featuring Nick Gage versus El Hijo del Vikingo, Joey Janela versus Lash LaRue. Yes, 
that Lash LaRue from WCW from the Misfits in Action. Wow. And then you'll also see Maki Ito, Blake Christian, Gringo Loco, Effie, and more. Turning the page to Saturday, September the 2nd, Effie's Big Gay Brunch 7, Grand Sports Arena in Hoffman Estates at noon, featuring an eight-person tag team match, Team Midwest of Joey Mayberry, this week's Windy City Slam podcast guest, Mateo Valentine, Moondog Murray, and Shelly the Bombshell Benson with Jillian, taking on Team East Coast of Logan Black, Quizzy Asante, Angelo Carter, and Sazzy Boatwright. Then we have Bussy of Effie and Alley Catch versus Sonny Kiss and Pimpinella Escalada. Sawyer Rack faces Billy Dixon. Dark Sheik takes on Steph Delander. Rico Gonzalez takes on Devon Monroe. Pero versus Karam and more. And our friend Val Capone will be on commentary. Saturday night, September the 2nd, Zawa 109, Simple Math, is at Parties on Pope in Nelson, Illinois. Featuring the Zawa Live Championship as Jay Fowler defends against Hartenbauer. Also Saturday night, September the 2nd, AEW's Collision will be at the United Center. Saturday night, September the 2nd, POW Entertainment presents Road to Wrestle Rage at the American Legion in Fox Lake. We have the POW Heavyweight Champion, Moondog Murray, defending against Meat Hooks O'Bannon. And the One Night eight-man tournament to crown the number one contender to the POW Entertainment Championship at Russell Rage 21. And those first round matches are as follows. We have Psychotic Jimmy Blaze versus Kazile, Hunter Payne versus Logan Steele with Chris Hedford, Eric Freedom versus Tyler Sullivan with Chris Hedford, and Mateo Valentine versus GQ. And you'll also have semifinals and the finals all on the same night. Also Saturday, September the 2nd, Midwest Championship Wrestling presents Skydive Slamboree at Skydive Chicago in Ottawa. The main event is Hawaiian Hitman Koa Laksamana with Callies against Cody James. Also Saturday night, September the 2nd, Legacy Pro Wrestling presents the Showcase of Champions 8, Night 2 at Buena Vista Banquets in Milwaukee. Alright. Coming up next, we welcome to the show for the first time. You've seen him in CSW and Power Entertainment, among other places. We're going to tell the story of the dad bod demigod, Joey Mayberry. Stay tuned. My name is Storm Grayson. I'm your freelance wrestling world champion. And you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross here, live at the Broad Stop in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. You can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast this week, and we welcome to the show for the very first time. You've seen him in Chicago-style wrestling, 
and Pow Entertainment, among other promotions in the Chicagoland region. And he'll be a part of Effie's Big Gay Brunch 7 coming up Labor Day weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the bad bod demigod, Joey Mayberry. That's what they call me, and that's what I call myself. Thank you for having me. Yeah, very excited to have you on finally, Joey. It's been a long time coming. I know. We've talked about this for a while now. I'm excited to finally hop on with you. I had some of your comrades on the show already, like Mateo Valentine, Moondog Murray, even Shelly the Bombshell earlier this year. So I'm glad I'm finally able to get you into that elite group of Windy City Slam podcast guests. I know. We're an elite group, and we're also the elite group that's going to beat up New York at Effie's Big Game Brunch. So it works out well. Yeah, good segue. But yeah, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But we're going to start talking about the fact that you've been on the Chicago scene for a few years now, but you had this whole other segment of your career from about seven, eight, nine years ago that I had absolutely no idea about until I did some research where you worked in Florida. And I also saw on your Facebook profile, you're originally from South Carolina, and then you ended up working a lot in Florida. So what caught your attention about pro wrestling while you were growing up? And where did you end up training? So what caught my attention initially, the first ever like match or segment or anything I ever watched was Lita versus Stephanie McMahon with The Rock as the special guest referee where Lita won the women's championship. I kind of heard about wrestling, like my uncle was really into it, especially like the old school 80s kind of deal. But it was just never really anything that like I gravitated to, if that makes sense. And then like... I remember just one day my dad was like flipping through the channels on a Monday night and all of a sudden I just see this woman, Lita, who I just was like, I relate to this person. Like I relate to her and like how edgy she is. And I was just, I was hooked from there. Like her and the Hardys just got me kind of like, that's what brought me into wrestling. And then, um, went down to florida i actually didn't go down there to start wrestling i had just graduated from college got my degree in theater and i was like what do i do next like what do i want to do so i wound up getting an internship at walt disney world so i had moved down to orlando and was doing the internship kind of working on some things and then ended up eventually getting hired by disney so while i was down there i was like what do I want to do? I've got this performance background. And I was like, you know, you've always wanted to try wrestling and you're here in Florida. This is like, you know, Orlando is pretty much like WWE central at this point. Mm -hmm. What can you find? So wound up doing some Googling and like, this was 2012 ish. So much like a lot of the Florida indie scene, I ended up circulating around the team vision dojo. Honestly, I wasn't really training too, too much with uh, the person I don't want to talk about. I was getting trained by with like Lince Dorado, Santana Garrett, Scott Hall was there a lot. Um, Larry Zabisco came often and just sat in a chair, but I was getting to, you know, work with all of these past WWE superstars and then who ended up being future WWE superstars and Lince and Santana. So while it wasn't like, a place I would recommend. It definitely, you know, got me started off on the right path. And I've met so many people and so many folks who went on to do so many great things from there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a couple of people already. This is Santana Garrett, Lindsay Dorado, uh, WWE slash NXT stars. And then also uh, Chico Adams you worked with, who was an extra on WWE and AEW shows. 
And Jody mm-hmm. Christopherson, who's Chris Christopherson's son, and was also in WWE developmental at one point. Well, you're just pulling out names. Uh, yeah, um, worked with Jody a few times. Um, I've worked with Chico more times than I can probably even count. Like me and Chico, I think he had been working or just like really started working when I started training like full time. And we kind of grew up together a little bit for a few years and we're just kind of squaring off. And actually recently I got to go back down to Orlando at Pro Wrestling Action and have a pretty much a 10 year reunion rematch with Chico, which Came out on top, baby. Did good on that one. So what was it like working with all those people down at Florida? Honestly, that place is surrounded by controversy, but, you know, I'm glad I got out when I did and kind of came to my senses with things. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. There's, you know, I won't take the uh, bad actions of a couple people and really put that over anyone else because... Like some of those friendships and some of those things have just lasted for well over a decade at this point. And there's so many guys and gals and, you know, everyone in between that came out of there that have now went on to do so many cool things. And I just, I have so much respect for everyone I worked with down there um, for the most part. And, you know, it's just a lot of great memory. And then you had a little bit of a break from wrestling and then you ended up in Chicago coming from florida so what was the inspiration to come to chicago well you know it's it's not the most happy story but you know i will chalk it up to a couple injuries and a little bit of depression so long story short you know when i was wrestling down in florida i hadn't come out yet and i was really living as this kind of alter ego of myself that I like created to kind of be the mask of my masculinity to kind of really hide that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually I, you know, everything, my inner self kind of won and I started to really branch out and, you know, wound up getting my first boyfriend and things like that. And when that happened before I even really got a chance to actually like come out, people who were in that uh, training facility, found out and kind of told everyone that they knew before I was ready to even, you know, make that announcement. So it became like this kind of like rumor mill of like, I was Florida's little secret gay, which really got to me after a while. And I had some people that started treating me different. And that also happened at the same time that I had amounted three pretty serious concussions in about four months. Like there was at one point I got DDT'd straight into a gym floor and yeah, it, it knocked me out. I remember pretty much coming to in the hospital. Like I didn't know how I got there. So that was really terrifying. And at that point, like I did the follow up after my hospital visit with my regular doctor and he's just like, you've really got to stop for a second and get yourself together. And, you know, once you get told I have to stop wrestling and everyone's kind of turned you into this person that is basically, they were mocking that I was so kind of closeted and it was, it really hit me hard. It was really just not an overall good time for me right before I actually dropped wrestling for a bit and came up to Chicago. I did a match down in 
it was Southern Florida. I want to say it was Port St. Lucie. And I was wrestling at a promotion that's called Ignite Wrestling. And I was making my return tag team match. And as soon as I walk out with my old gimmick, I hear trigger warning for words, but I'm out there and I just hear a Joey's a faggot chant start in the crowd. And that kind of broke me. Like that was kind of, you know, the straw that kind of broke the camel's back for what you want to say. And I was just like, you know what? I'm kind of done with wrestling. I'm kind of just, I need a break from this. Like my body needs a break. My mental health needs a break. And I was just kind of done. And it was at that point that I met my now ex-husband and he was planning on moving up to Chicago. And, you know, I was just down there kind of working some odd jobs and, you know, not really pursuing my passion. So I was like, you know what? I've got nothing else to lose. Let's go up to Chicago and see what I can do. And when I got up here, I was kind of like, not really pursuing wrestling, not really looking into it. I was actually pursuing stand-up for a while and did a pretty fair amount of stand-up gigs. So then I got discovered by Ring the Bell, which is a women's wrestling podcast, and started doing some work with them. And that's how the itch started happening. And I got drawn back into wrestling. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, but you also had some drama and theater background, as you mentioned before. And there was this deal that you were doing called We Don't Play Fight a few years back. And there was a show in Chicago back in 2019. It's actually covered by the Chicago Tribune. And there's yep. this elaborate story that was involved with that, like trying to find a wrestling ring last minute because the person you guys had contracted had let you down. So talk about that a little bit. Well, um, the person that wound up kind of letting us down is actually a good friend of mine now. So I don't really want to like talk about who it was but um what it basically happened was we don't play fight was a full theater show where the first act was setting up the second act which was a full pro wrestling show so think of the first act being let's introduce the characters introduce the storyline and then second act you get to see all of these people fight it was originally dream project for jason static who's an amazing just fun guy and I actually auditioned for his first show when he was running it at the Orlando Shakespeare Festival. And once I got out there and started doing my own thing, he just kind of really enjoyed what I was doing. The crowd was eating me up and he's like, you've got a real knack for this. And I'll always credit Jason for being one of like the first people to really like make me feel outstanding about what I was doing in wrestling. Like, I got a good reception and things when I was in Florida, but once I got in front of that theater crowd and they were erupting and he saw that he really was like, you're something special. And that was one of the few times that I'd really gotten like, honest to God told that. And it, it really lit a fire under me. So by the time he was ready to bring it up to Chicago, after I had moved, he was like, listen, I want you to direct this. And I also want you to be kind of the centerpiece and the focal point of this show. And I'm like, Oh, so I have to act, wrestle, direct, and produce, which was <laughs> a lot to take on, but I wound up doing it. Um, but day of the show, we're setting up, everyone's getting to the theater, everyone's kind of doing their thing, and the ring wasn't there, it, which it, I don't know if you know anything about wrestling shows, but a, a ring's pretty crucial. Like, you kind of <laughs> need it. <laughs> so we're sitting there waiting, we're like, 
okay, it's, you know, three hours before the show, the ring's not here. And then once it hit that two hour point, the ring wasn't there. You know, we had already hit like panic mode and we're trying to figure out things. But once you got two hours left, that's when full blown panic like hits. Cause you're like, okay, we got like an hour before doors happen. People are going to be walking in here. So we were calling everybody that we knew at that point and just saying, how do we get a wrestling ring? How do we get a wrestling ring? And we were at the greenhouse theater, which is in Lincoln park. Um, we wound up finding someone who would give us an arena and thank God it was Carlos from Galley Lucha. I don't know if you know Galley. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we literally went up Fullerton to the U-Haul facility, get a U-Haul, drive it all the way out to Villa Park. We had to break down the Galley practice ring, take that ring to the theater by the time fans were getting inside of it and build a ring in front of the crowd which when you think about it sounds really cool except on that show we had people that had started wrestling a month ago all the way up to people who have been wrestling for 20 years and have done stuff with impact and not one of us could figure out how to put that ring together properly we were all looking at it because it was so old school and it had like um cords and pulleys and everything else under it because you know, it was an older ring and it had been beat up. So I guess they had kind of like makeshifted it into still being a functional ring. So by the time we got it up, it looked absolutely terrifying. Like I would never in my life recommend someone wrestle in that ring. <laughs> but we did it. We pulled off a show and miraculously it happened. Um, I'll never forget hopping in the back of a U-Haul with a bunch of wrestlers, including one who's in a full clown makeup, which was terrifying, and driving out to get a ring in a thunderstorm. Like, you can't write that stuff. It's crazy. But you guys got through it, which is awesome. We got through it, definitely. Um, you know, then afterwards, you're breaking down this ring after this stressful day, and it's right there on Halstead near Lincoln Park. So it's all the college kids partying as you're trying to carry a ring out to a U-Haul. And, you know, by the time we got it back to galley, got it set up, it was sun was up already. And I got home. I literally cracked a beer open. I chugged it and I passed out and I woke up the next day and was like, that really just happened to me. We did the whole thing. <laughs> now that's something you could put into a book for sure. If you ever wrote a book. I feel like I need to at this point. I've got some stories. Now, you're in Chicago, and you're maybe looking to rediscover pro wrestling. So what got you back into it, and what led you to CSW? So, honestly, it was an amalgamation of things. So it all kind of stemmed from We Don't Play Fight, to be honest. So um, there was Ring the Bell, which I mentioned earlier, which is a probably at this point, the largest women's wrestling media coverage outlet out there. It's on YouTube. And at the time, it was D.S. Shen who created it and his partner Lola, who were running the show. And Lola was training to be a wrestler. And I was a big fan of the show because I obviously love women's wrestling. So I was like, I would love to get y'all involved with this show. And we ended up having Lola, one of the hosts, booked on the show. And um, after the show, she had met her... I, think current but at least at that point boyfriend on it and wound up going to florida for a little bit so 
um, DS was like, why don't you come on Ring the Bell and kind of do some hosting work with me? And I was like, I would love to do that. I love being on the camera. So did that for a little bit. And then eventually um, Lola moved to Florida and we brought on Paloma Starr, who's a pretty much veteran of the Chicago scene at this point. And we were all three hosting. And I don't know if you remember them, but Ricky, the janitor, one of my favorite people, unfortunately, you passed away a few years ago. Yeah. Um, he was running a Lucha in the Park show and he thought it'd be a great idea to book me versus Paloma because we had this, you know, social media following. So we did that match. And as soon as I had that match with Paloma, I was like, I miss this. I miss this so much. It was, you know, the first kind of iteration of who I am today when it comes to wrestling, because I was still kind of doing a little bit of my old school country gimmick, because that's what I knew. But I was kind of mixing it up, trying some different fashions, seeing what kind of this this era of Joey would be. And as soon as I did it, I was like, I, I got to get back into this. I got to figure something out. So when I had first got up here, I thought about trying some wrestling. So I had taken the train all the way out to um, Franklin Park to see Steve. And I had done like about a week of some wrestling training with Boz. And at that point, I just... I didn't really have the time or the funds to do wrestling. I had moved up to Chicago with a thousand dollars in my pocket. And anybody who's been to Chicago knows a thousand dollars won't last you three minutes, which it didn't. So um, once I finally was able to get myself financially stable a little bit later after that, get a car, kind of have a way to transport myself. It, it took no time for me to head back to Boz and be like, I miss this. I want to train. I, you know, know what I'm doing. I'm a bit rusty and I just want to see myself. I just want to make myself better. And, you know, he was all for it. He was like, come on in, let's teach you some stuff, get you back on your feet. And, you know, from there, it, it just took off. I thought my wrestling career was going so quickly back in Florida, but nothing compared to how quickly it took off once I came up here to Chicago. That's pretty much it. That's the history of how I got back into CSW. And there's really this certain camaraderie within that group at CSW, a sense of family, even the guys like you and Mateo and Moondog and Shelly and Jillian, mm -hmm. and even people like Axel and Eric Schultz and people like that. So what is that experience like for you? That experience in itself is something I honestly couldn't be more grateful for, you know, as soon as I walked in the door for my first day of CSW training, it wound up just being me and this guy, Ed. He hasn't really, I don't think, made his in-ring debut yet, but we were just training around and I posted a video online that was like, I'm back in the ring. And um, Mateo at the time, you know, was still training at CSW, but he was also a fan of Ring the Bell. So he had seen me on the show and just goes, I know that ring. And next time I was there, in walks Mateo, and he just goes, I can't believe you're here. And I was like, well, hi, nice to meet you. And from that moment, like, me and Mateo were like, you know, uh, Forrest Gump. Like, we were peas and carrots, you know? <laughs> um, literally just walking in there, like, my first couple people that I was, that I gravitated towards was obviously Mateo, because I was, you know, 
gaze of a feather flock together. Like you find your safe space, especially in wrestling where you kind of, wrestling in itself has progressed so much as far as the LGBT folks go. You know, it used to be, you know, it was very taboo to be gay in wrestling. And now it's not, but it's still, you know, very heteronormative world. So when you find somebody that you can relate to, you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to hang out with them. This is kind of my safe space. So like two of my very first like close relationships there were uh, Mateo and Coda Holiday. And we just kind of piled around. And then I remember, did you ever hear of Proving Grounds Pro Wrestling? Yes, yes we talked yeah. about that with Axel Rico before, yeah. Yeah, so there was one day that, like, Axel was, like, having the show. And, like, we didn't really, like, talk. Like, me and Axel had been, like, friends. But I remember coming to that show and just kind of, I did, like, some ref work on it and kind of did some stuff. And then after that show, I cut a promo and did a match with Mateo in front of all of the, um, you know, CSW crew. And I just remember the quote from Axel Rico, which was, wait, you came and I made you a referee? I didn't know this guy had talent. Like, (laughs) so, and then honestly, you know, I have nothing but absolute love for Axel Rico. Like, as soon as he was like, wow, this kid can cut a promo. Like, we just became so tight. And he's giving me, like, of all the people that have really given me like a boost in life and really like said, you can do this. You're really good. Like Axel is one of those people that guy has been, had my back and supported me since almost day one that I walked into CSW. And I'm, I couldn't say anything but good things about Axel. Now, how did you and Jillian get put together as part of your act? (laughs) Um, by, absolute happenstance i literally was hanging out with her uh we had met at i want to say it was a csw show that was happening at the berwin eagles club but to be honest i've been you know knocked around so much and it's been a couple years back now so but we were just talking in the crowd we became friends and then once csw went back to the um legion i wound up getting put into the futures battle royal and it was my first futures. And I was like, what do I want to do that's going to make me stand out? Like, what's going to be something different? And I was like, well, no one's going to get footage of me was something I was thinking about. And I was like, I'm who do I get to record the match? And me and Jillian were just talking, kind of cutting up. And I was like, I have this idea. What if I talk to them? Would you like to walk to the ring and just live stream me? And she's like, like to the ring like Jillian's never been towards a wrestling ring at this point and I'm like yeah all you would have to do is stand at ringside hold the camera and she's like yeah okay and we got it approved and you can tell like at that point um, there's an old picture that we recently came across because it's now been two years of me and Jillian where it's me and my big get up and she's just there in what she had on for the show that day her hair put up just recording me and as soon as that happened people just started liking it they were like this is cool because now anyone who wasn't at the show was interacting with me on instagram or interacting with me on tiktok whatever i was getting to you know stream on that day and 
from there, you know, as we started to grow, like I started growing more as a performer, started kind of figuring out who this new Joey is and really finding my footing. At the same time, she was figuring out what wrestling is, like how to navigate this world. And I can't tell you, I'm so proud of that girl. Like she is my bestie tool. You know, we both wind up up in the sky. Yeah, like for day one to day 99, she has turned into one of the most entertaining aspects of not just Joey Mayberry's, you know, character gimmick, but, you know, CSW and other promotions in general. She's so good. I love her. That's a great story of how you got her involved. And I do remember watching the IG lives with you guys in those Futures Battle Royals. Those were really cool. It was so much fun because, like, my favorite little moments from those are just the let me turn and interact with Jillian. Let me do something with Jillian. And those moments, like my favorite thing of all time was there's just this one part where I get tossed over the top rope and it cuts to Jillian who's holding the camera recording me. And she just goes, what the hell? (laughs) It's iconic. She's an icon. Absolutely. Really cool stuff. Now, let's fast forward just a little bit. Coming up this Saturday afternoon, September the 2nd, it will be a big day for you and your crew as Midwest faces East Coast as you join Mayberry, along with Mateo Valentine, Moondog Murray, and Shelly the Bombshell Benson. Team up to score off against Logan Black, Chrissy Asante, Angelo Carter, and Sazzy Boatwright in an eight-person tag team match at Effie's Big Gate Front 7 at Grand Sports Arena in Hoffman Estates during All Out Weekend. So how does it feel to once again be a part of this extravaganza spotlighting LGBTQ plus talent? First off, that monologue was amazing. That was so good. I love that. You know, I talked a lot about Mateo and a little bit about Axel Jillian, but like Moondog and Shelly, you know, Moondog came from, I think PPW was training down there. Once he entered, he pretty much became, you know, mine and Mateo's, like, adopted son that we never knew we needed. Like, we became great friends. And then as soon as Shelly came to CSW, it we now officially have dubbed ourselves Shelly and the Gays. That's who we are at this point. So not only am I excited to return to Big Gay Brunch, you know, it was really exciting last year to come out and rep Chicago with Mateo and Julian. But now to have... Me, Mateo, Moondog, Shelly, and Jillian together. Like, not only am I walking into this gay brunch in probably the best form I feel like I've been in in my career, I'm doing it with an entire roster of my best friends. Like, it's, I couldn't have asked for a better, like, situation. And then walking in to face this crew from New York, you know, there's some people that I've followed, like Sazzy. There's people that I've met, like Logan. And then there's, you know, other folks like Angelo, who I've, you know, I'm just discovering. So, you know, some people I'm being able to prepare for, some I'm not. But I can tell you one thing. At Big Gay Brunch, we are going to wrestle the house down. We're going to sport looks. We are going to walk into that arena. And whether or not you love us or you hate us, I can guarantee you that Team Chicago is going to steal that show. Because you look at the five of us. Ain't nobody got that much charisma. We got charisma coming out of our wazoos. And that's the polite word. Shelly and I would use a different one, but. (laughs) 
I could think about that word right now. I'm sure I knew what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so last year, you and Mateo, as glamorous and yummy, participated in Effie's Big Day Brunch. And you guys only got about five minutes. I know Mateo mentioned that the last time he was on the show. So what was it like just to find out that you guys were going to be on this show last year? We were so excited. Uh, it was something that we had literally been manifesting and talking about for forever. Like we were constantly, you know, sending ideas to Effie. Like I'm sure at this point, Effie is like, okay, I got to give them something just so they'll shut the hell up. Like, you know, like, <laughs> we really wanted it because it's so cool. I can't describe how different the environment is when you go to you know lgbt centered shows and you walk into that locker room it is the most warm and accepting and loving environment that i've ever been in in professional wrestling and walking into gay brunch after that announcement and getting to see all of these folks who you know, we as queer people really get a chance to relate to each other because whether or not it's the same, we've all had some, you know, similarities in our lives with struggles, traumas, whatever it is that we've overcame to get to be the people that we are today. And to really have that energy circulating is unfathomably cool. So I love that. But then you know, we got about five minutes, but to tell you the truth, that's all we needed. Like, we shone brighter than any stars ever. Just walking out to that Chicago crowd and hearing them erupt. And not only, like, when we walked through the curtain, like, the second that 100% Pure Love song started, like, the little intro, the crowd was already, you know, screaming and on their feet. And then when we walk out and everyone is just making so much noise um i won't even lie i'm and this is no ever disrespect to anybody else but i'm pretty sure we got you know one of the pops of the night especially pop for that match and it just felt so cool and so rewarding um for me and mateo together i know it was rewarding because we put so much effort and so much work into getting to this platform because this is something we wanted but for me as a person, it felt so validating because I came from a point in my career where I thought my sexuality and me as a person was keeping me away from this business. And now it is something that literally has catapulted me to a platform to where I'm on fight TV. I'm in front of a worldwide audience. And it's literally because I said, I'm just going to be myself and do me. And it, I can't even describe how rewarding that was for me. Like I can try to put words onto it, but there's just this overall feeling of warmth and love and success and happiness for myself. Like I, I can't wait to do it again. And you mentioned how warm and welcoming locker room like that at Effie's Big Game Brunch was. And I was at a show a couple of months ago and you were on that show and a lot of other people that I know are on that show as well. So what was it like to be part of that Power Entertainment's first ever Pride show? You better work back at the Brower House in June. You and Jillian in your corner faced and defeated Meadook Sylvana, a pretty big dude and current Power Tag Team champion. But I heard from a lot of people that were a part of that show. That was the best locker room they'd ever been a part of. So uh, going from that day in Port St. Lucie where you got called that homophobic name to now 
participating in You Better Work and Effie's Big Day Brunch. What does it feel like for you? One, absolutely amazing. And two, I want to shout out the PAL locker room in general. The PAL has been one of my favorite locker rooms I have ever walked into. Not just that show, but, you know, I've worked for them a couple times now. And I've never felt just a sense of camaraderie because some of those guys, you know, they've been working together for years. They just know each other. And sometimes when you have kind of that older click they're they're very clicky and they're like okay someone new is coming in so we got to make sure they're what is it you know earn your stripes pay your dues yada 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 get this thing that's not the case with them it's very much everyone that has walked in that door is so welcome and so embraced by that locker room and jimmy blaze I, I can't say any, you know, negative words or anything but kind words about that man. I think he is one of the nicest people I've ever met. And then Meat Hooks, despite the fact that he tried to attack me this past weekend, all because I was just punching Moondog in the face, you know, that's wrestling. I don't know why he had to run out and attack me for it. But I love old Meat Hooks. I think he's great. I, I'll fight him any day of the week. And that pal show though you better work the energy in that locker room was so palpable like i could almost compare it to gay brunch because it was not only you know all of these people coming in together to celebrate pride it was also you know people who are just allies they really wanted to support us and make us a big focus of the show and really give us our flowers and it's it's kind of it's really cool going to like gay brunch and having the whole locker room kind of be, you know, in the community. But to have people who are, you know, allies that really want to be like, y'all need to be celebrated. This is your time. Go out there and do it. And they just wanted to have fun. And that was it was so welcoming. I loved every single second of it. And you had people like Effie and Val Capone and Awesome Kong and Haley Shadows coming in from New York to be part of that show. It was just an amazing atmosphere that day. I know. It was so cool. I loved talk. I Effie's one of my favorite people. I think uh, he's an absolute riot. I'm so happy to see him. Val Capone. Oh, that woman. I love her so much. The absolute best. And then it was actually really cool to see Kong because she, uh, I don't know if they're married anymore, but at the time, her husband, like I had a match with him back in Florida. So I've met her a couple times and she's just always been the sweetest. And literally my favorite interaction with her backstage was, yeah, I actually know you from Florida. And she was like, well, I meet everybody all the time. I was like, well, I'm on Ring the Bell. She goes, you're that guy. And I was like, yeah, but down in Florida, I was a little redneck kid. I wrestled in cowboy boots. She goes, yeah. <laughs> it was just. Oh, uh, and at the time, I'm in my big green spandex um, suit with my bedazzles all over it. And she just goes, things have changed. <laughs> Love her to death. To backtrack a little bit, uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but we were on a roll talking about the uh, camaraderie and friendship and community of the LGBTQ uh, locker room. You and Mateo actually went your separate ways for a while, at least in storyline. And you guys had that crazy beauty supply match where I was ringside for that. And that was really intense. So 
who came up with that? And uh, how about some of the diversity of the different weapons and implements you guys use in that match? Well, you know, we really, the concept itself, so uh, Ryan Matthews and Mateo had actually had a beauty supply match. And, you know, we were really going through, like, what we wanted to do when we were setting up this storyline. And I think we landed on, you know, doing beauty supply to Electric Boogaloo just <laughs> because that was, you know, we both grew up, like, idolizing the divas and the women's era at that time and you know they were always in like the good housekeeping matches or there was like the extreme makeover match and things like that and it was just like let's do something like that because we always if you watch mine and mateo's move sets you can pretty much pick out which diva the moves come from like oh, you can kind of call them out so we're like let's do this because you know at the end of the day, if you can't be a mark for yourself, how the hell are you going to be a mark for somebody else? Going to get an amen. So we were kind of, you know, giving ourselves some, you know, little marky services. And as far as the weapons went, we kind of discussed it. Like we were kind of like, well, let's bring in this or let's bring in some stuff. And that day we brought in everything we had. We sat it in front of us and then we just had a field day going, okay, how are we going to get hit with this stuff? <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. I got a yeah, really awesome. intense looking picture of you in the corner after you smashed Mateo into like I think a makeup case or something like that. And I'm like, that stuck for, with me for quite a while. Was that after I drop kicked the hairdryer into his crotch? I something like that, yeah. I okay. Think so. Yeah. You're yeah. in the corner making this this intense face and it was just so, you know, hardcore that you were doing all that at that point. <laughs> it was so hardcore. And, like, one of my favorite moments coming out of that match was I was wearing this lacy white singlet under my, like, typical pants. Um, and at the end of it, it looks like I was just covered in, like, blood and was bleeding on the side. And people were like, that's so intense. And I'm like, no, it's okay. It's just the lip liner that I stuck in his eye. I'm not bleeding. I'm all right. <laughs> you've had quite the run over the last couple of years you had that great power entertainment championship match uh just a little over a week ago against moondog murray and then you were also recently the northland pro journey champion so what's it like to finally get ingrained into the chicago community and actually getting title matches and title runs um to get a championship is extremely validating especially you know because i was the inaugural journeys champion so like that went to me first and there's never going to be another first so to get that recognition especially you know coming from a place where i thought i was done with this and i thought that wrestling was something that wasn't going to be for me was kind of life-saving to be honest i've had a real rough go of like my personal life which i don't want to get into you know over the last year and to get as many like get a championship during that and get the recognition because you know everyone that works for the promotions has always been so kind to me and so gracious and so very accepting of everything that i do and very complimentary and you know uh getting a championship is the ultimate compliment in this business because it's saying you're doing everything correctly which is great I don't know. I think the perfect word for me to describe how I'm feeling right now is uh, pretty fulfilled. It feels really nice to come full circle and kind of, kind of feel like I have my new wrestling home within Chicago.
you're in your early 30s and closing in on 10 years in the business. So where do you see yourself in five years and what are your long-term goals in wrestling? Ooh. So my long-term goals have really shifted, like, honestly. Uh, so what I really want to do in wrestling is I just want to kind of become that staple name. You know what I mean? When people hear my name, they think, oh, that's a wrestler. You know what I mean? And I really had goals of like when I first started of like I'm gonna make it to the performance center and I'm gonna go to NXT and I'm gonna basically you know do a WWE video game storyline career and make it to WrestleMania. Ah. <laughs> um but nowadays I've actually really come to love the internet and you know having success on TikTok and having success on Instagram and YouTube things like that because that's allowed me to garner a little bit of a fan base and that's continually growing. So it's not about getting to a platform at this point or getting to a big accomplishment. It's about creating my own platform and creating my own kind of space, which is kind of an honor that I get a chance to do that at this point. So that's my overall long-term plan is I want to continue to do this as long as my body will let me, you know, Definitely taking those bumps at 33 is feeling a lot different than taking them at 23, especially the next morning. But, you know, as long as I can get up and put my wrestling shoes on, which fun fact, I wear wrestling shoes and not wrestling boots because I was a fourth in state amateur wrestler and I like to pay homage to that. So if you're wondering why I don't wear wrestling boots, that's why, because I keep catching flack for that. But legit it's my goal is to just keep going keep pushing i've got great opportunities that have been coming my way from florida some out in california las vegas um there's more joey that's going to keep going so i can't wait to see what's next tell us your social media whatever merchandise you might have and upcoming events on your schedule yeah, so um, you can find me at joey underscore mayberry on instagram and twitter joey dot mayberry on tiktok on all of those platforms, there is a link tree that has my store, my upcoming dates, literally everything. So if you want merchandise, if you want to see what I'm doing, hit that link on any of those socials and you will find all the Joey you can possibly handle. And there's more coming, upcoming shows. So um, you can find me at Epi's Big Gay Brunch, obviously, on September the 2nd in Hoffman Estates. You can also check that out on Fight TV. You can also see me at Chicago Style Wrestling every third Friday of the um, month, each and every month. I'm pretty much a big gay staple there, so you can't miss me. And then in October, I'm really excited to head back down to Orlando. It's going to be October the 29th for Pro Wrestling Action. It's a monster match, and I'm re-debuting after I was given a tombstone pile driver by Agony back in July. So it's time to unleash some new Joey Chaos down in Orlando. Joe Bibbery, thank you so much for coming on the show and good luck in your future. And we'll be catching it down the line at some of these shows. Sounds great. Thank you for letting me be on here and share a little bit about myself. And um, hopefully I'll come on again someday. All right, that was a great conversation with Joey Mayberry. And as I told Joey after we recorded the interview, I was like, man, why didn't we have you on sooner? You have some great stories and a great history. And Joey Mayberry is definitely a guy to watch as he progresses along the Chicago scene. You could catch him this weekend at Effie's Big Gay Brunch 7 
in Hoffman Estates. All right, next week, we're going to have plenty to talk about locally and nationally. Plus, we welcome for the first time the co-owner of Rocket Pro Wrestling, Will Shelley, a.k.a. Maximus Orion. And we're going to talk about the state of RPW, Fall Brawl, and more. You can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. Run!